Welcome to the Sticks and Stones and Broken Bones podcast with Rock Valley Physical Therapy. When you're looking for solutions to pain, we are here to help. Whether success for you means lifting a grandchild, getting back to work, or simply walking up the stairs without pain, Rock Valley is here to help with compassionate, expert physical and occupational therapy, making care as fun and easy as possible. Each episode, we spend time learning from therapists, physicians, and even patients in hopes of offering solutions to your own aches and pains. All right, welcome everybody. This is our fifth episode of Sticks and Stones and Broken Bones. I've got a very special guest with us today. So up until this point, we have had all physical therapists on here. Um, Today, I've got a friend of mine, Ellen Davis, who is a dietitian. So we're gonna cover some, some dietary um, topics that relate to physical therapy and sport performance and just wellness in general. So Ellen, welcome. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I didn't realize I was the first outlier. That makes you me are, special. You're going to be the oddball, but uh, we'll, we'll break you in easy here. Okay. I'm used to that being the oddball, honestly. <laughs> well, tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about kind of your background and uh, what your interests are. Yeah, so um, my background kind of lies within, um, you know, probably similar interests of all the PTs that you've had on on the show. Um, I grew up playing every sport that was available. I went to a small high school and had the opportunity to to do everything, and so I did. Played basketball and softball, ran track and cross country. I was on the dance team. Um, you know, you name it, I did it. Um, had just a lot of fun and found great success in running and had a really great opportunity to go on to the University of Missouri to run track and cross country there and um, didn't realize just how how ignorant I was when it came to you know a lot of things but um, specifically nutrition when I was in college Um, in high school I realized that I never really had to think a whole lot about nutrition and wellness. My mom and dad just took care of it for me. There was always food on the table and I honestly never really had to think too much about it and got away with far too much probably as far as nutrition um, went. But then in college, you know, the the level upped a little bit and, um, you know, found that I was hurt a lot. And if I wasn't hurt, I was sick and um, couldn't figure it out. And, you know, the writing was on the wall that it was all related to nutrition and, you know, um, kind of lack thereof in my, um, in my case. So finally kind of um, put the, put the head on the nail and figured out that I needed to, to make some changes to nutrition. And so um, did that and discovered along the way that, you know, I wanted to be able to help others avoid making those same mistakes that I made throughout that transition from the high school level to the college level. And so um, knew that becoming a dietitian and specifically a sports dietitian was the direction that I wanted to go. And so um, now here I am 10 years into that journey and five years as as a sports dietitian, um, helping active individuals and athletes kind of um, put together a fueling plan that, that works well for them, um, you know, for them individually. So. Yeah, that's definitely an evolving field. It seems, I mean, even 15 years ago when I was in high school, maybe closer to 20 now, 20 years ago, sorry. Wow. Um, I mean, we would play basketball and then we'd go eat five double cheeseburgers at McDonald's. And like, that was, that was our fun outing after a basketball game. Right. So I, I could have used you back then, I'm sure. But uh, yeah. And, and, you know, 
the five double cheeseburgers after the game is one thing. It was more so the lack of anything probably leading up to the game that was more concerning. At least that's the what I see now as a sports dietitian. That's <laughs> sure. Or, or kids playing all day tournaments and yes. having a hot dog in between when they play have, have four soccer games in a day, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So you are a dietitian. Can you, I think there's a lot of confusion just in the general public about, you know, what exactly is a dietitian? Um, you know, we hear the term nutritionist, dietitian, health coach, like there's some overlap certainly, but what is a dietitian? Yeah, absolutely. So um, a dietitian is unique in the fact that um, that, that individual um, has been through just an extraordinary amount of um of schooling and internship hours. So um, to, to become a dietitian, um, it requires a four-year undergraduate degree um, in the field of dietetics or nutritional sciences or kinesiology or something similar. And then most, um, most dietitians or most programs, then um, you apply to an internship following the um, your, your degree. So that's a really competitive process, um, or at least it always has been. Now, again, I've been removed for a long time, so it's changed a lot since then, but um, you apply to the internship and then you do usually a six or 12 month internship um, with a variety of different rotations involved in that. And then once you finish your internship, then you sit for um, a, an exam, the, the national registration exam. And then once you pass that exam, um, you um, acquire your credentials RD or registered dietitian. And then um, following that, you know, cool, great, you're, you're a registered dietitian, that's awesome. Um, and then you, of course, just like PTs and a variety of other healthcare professionals um, are required to keep up on your CEUs and ensure that you're staying up to date on the research, the ever evolving research. Um, and, and yeah, so that, um, so that's how it was when, when I graduated. Now, um, the program is requiring a master's degree as well. Um, and you can do that, I think, in conjunction with um, your internship, but um, I think it's in 2022. I think graduating dietetic students in 2022, don't quote me on that, but they will be required to have that master's degree. So wow. okay. um, yeah, so that's kind of, that's kind of baseline registered dietitian. And then, um, and I'll get to nutritionists here in just a second, but then to become a sports dietitian, which I am, um, you are required to be a dietitian for two years and you acquire um, 2000 hours working directly with athletes or active individuals. And then once you've acquired those hours, then you're eligible to sit for another exam. Um, you, you toss out more money, you know, just <laughs> because it grows on trees these days. Um, and you, it, once you pass that exam, then you have the credentials CSSD or Certified Specialist in Sports Dietetics. And that's recognized by um, the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics as a specialty um, certification exam. So that's yeah. kind of the, the um, route that I've taken. Um, and then of course there are, you know, a lot of different, different ways that you can look at this. So um, a nutritionist on the other hand um, could have had a, um, a four-year degree in nutrition and science and had 
you know, maybe chosen not to go the RD route, or maybe that was never their intention, which is just fine, great, wonderful. Um, or there are also a lot of nutrition certification um, programs that you can get just about anywhere, you know. So um, I do I do recommend for um, listeners and, and all people in this world to you know do your homework and understand you know um, is the is your nutritionist or a registered dietitian you know what are their credentials what is their experience um, and not to say that one is better than the other, you know, of course, as a dietitian, it's like, yeah, I put in a lot of time, but <laughs> there are a lot of really, really good qualified professionals that um, uh, would be, be awesome to work with. And, you know, I think you guys probably see this as PTs too. It's, it's all a matter of um, finding that right fit. You know, there's, there's a reason there's a lot of dietitians and a lot of um, PTs, you know, it's because there's a lot of different type of people in this world and um, finding that right fit, you know, someone that you can connect with and has the same type of goals and approach, um, I think is really valuable. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the personal connection is makes all the difference in the world for us. Yeah, for sure. yeah. So absolutely. <clears throat> so I think a lot of times when people think about a dietitian, they, they think immediately about weight loss, right? That's what the general public comes to mind, I'm sure. So I mean, even in sports performance, we talk about, you know, eating to train versus training to eat, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so tell me a little bit about kind of your practice philosophy and, or at least kind of some bullet points that would sum up how you approach a sports performance athlete, let's say. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, and one that I love answering because I think it, it comes with, you know, the answer comes from a different place than most people are expecting. So honestly, a lot of times as a sports dietitian, um, you know, I walk into a room or show up on a Zoom screen these days, and um, it's kind of expected that, you know, the food police has shown up and I am there to, you know, like literally knock the food out of someone's hand. And I, I always say, you know, at the beginning of any type of experience I'm having, um, with any, with any group, it, that's not the case at all. You know, as a sports dietitian, um, I'm truly, my, my goal at the end of the day is to enhance whatever it is that that athlete or that active individual is already doing. Um, you know, honestly, a lot of times in the performance world, um, I find that athletes maybe aren't eating enough instead of the other way around, because, you know, this, this culture that we've kind of grown accustomed to is, is always has always been telling us, you know, less, less, less as far as, you know, calories and intake and enjoyment. And I'm the other way. I'm saying, you know, find more enjoyment, find more energy with food, find more and better recovery with the use of food as, as your source of fuel. And um, that's hard. That's a hard switch to flip sometimes. Um, and really it takes a couple of conversations or more to kind of, kind of break through that, that wall, um, for, for athletes to understand, like, I'm not, I'm not there as the bad guy, you know, like mm -hmm. I bring food, I bring gifts. <laughs> like, um, that's, that's what I like to really promote. Yeah. I think that's, that's a great point. And I mean, even in the weight loss world, right. I think oftentimes people need to correct me if I'm wrong, but increase calorie intake to get their metabolism going. And so I think there's just so much information out there that people can find on the internet from air quotes, experts, right? Um, yeah. Or anybody that can blog, right? 
Right. Yeah. Anyone with a website, anyone who has <laughs> access to, you know, no, you don't even need a website. I mean, hop on Facebook, like you right. can get all kinds of information there. And, you know, again, I will say some of it is, is quality information. However, more than likely, it's not going to be personalized to you. You know, wh right. where are you coming to this conversation from? You know, is it that you have um, struggled with your relationship with food for years and years and years? Um, or, you know, maybe, maybe you have an underlying condition that you do or do not know about. Um, you know, if you're getting information from someone who doesn't know that background information on you personally, you know, that, that may not be appropriate for you. So, um, yeah, and, and you're right there, even in the weight loss world, um, you know, we see, we see that a lot. And, um, I know we were kind of talking about this, you know, in previous conversations that you and I have had, but that presents as, um, just like this, this mess of gastrointestinal distress that we are seeing just at an extraordinary rate right now. Like the amount of constipation and IBS and just gut distress is, is really concerning. And it all, not all, but a lot of it has to do with the fact that, um, you know, what we're eating is, is usually not sufficient to meet our, our actual energy needs and our metabolisms have have taken the brunt of it over just years of um, underfueling, really. Yeah, and and you can imagine if you've got GI issues and you're supposed to run a 5K this weekend, or you're competitive swimmer, or basketball player, right? I mean, that's not something you want to be dealing with when you're trying to compete. So, right. If, if we switch now, kind of thought process to to the athlete, right? Um, mm -hmm. I know you and I had talked about, and this was kind of a different concept for me, but using diet and food to mitigate injury risk. I mean, in PT, a lot of what we do is, you know, post-injury, of course, but a lot of what we preach is, you know, injury prevention or mm -hmm. mitigation, right? Yeah. So in, in your world, what do you do to, to aid in that? Yeah, um, so I... I try to take that approach all the time, you know, that preventative approach, but sometimes it's not, not always appropriate. So um, kind of a few of the things that we really, or I really use as my kind of foundational pillars is, is one meeting energy needs, you know, in, and what I'm saying there in what maybe sounds like a different language is ensuring that you're eating enough calories. You know um, I will say, because I work, a lot with high school athletes and, and college athletes as well. Um, I try not to make what we're talking about so calorie focused because I think it can get really um, kind of frustrating and, and too um, too structured, too you know rigid. So we, we talk about energy coming from food in the form of calories, right? So my first thing for injury prevention is to ensure you are eating enough, you are getting enough energy from food. Um, the, the second thing, um, ensuring that your hydration needs are met. You know, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of injury that comes as a result of dehydration. Um, just a 2% deficit in normal body weight is considered dehydrated. And that's when we see more, um, joint issues, um, you know, torn ACLs, um, lack of focus or concentration at the end of, some big effort and you misstep or you, you miss the play or whatever that may be, whatever your sport is, um, that's when injury 
happens. And so um, energy first, hydration second, um, and then, you know, really focusing on those, um, those anti-inflammatory foods as opposed to pro-inflammatory foods to keep that, um, that, that level of body inflammation at a point that's controllable, you know, that, that's manageable. We all know that a little bit of inflammation is, is good. That's how we get better. And, and especially in your world, um, from an injury standpoint, we have to get through that, that point of acute inflammation. <laughs> Otherwise, you know, doesn't, you know, you don't, you don't improve. Um, but chronic inflammation, chronic soreness, chronic, um, just lack of energy or, you know, struggling to find the motivation to one, get out of bed or two, you know, go do that workout. That is, um, that's what we want to control. So things like, you know, tart cherry juice and fish oil and, um, antioxidant rich fruits and vegetables and nuts and seeds, like, you know, that's the type of stuff that, um, we're, we're incorporating as much as possible. And on the, on the flip side of that, what are some foods that, I mean, I think we all know processed sugars and things like that are, you know, are inflammatory foods. Are there some other things that just to make people aware of what they could try to avoid maybe? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it is, it's those things that we're, we're likely all aware of. Um, and then this is when, you know, as the sports dietitian, this is, you know, when I put on what people assume to be my, my food police hat, but it's, um, it's those high trans fat or extremely high saturated fat, you know, fast foods, you know, your typical, um, you know, French fries every day, or, you know, if, if, I just opened a bag of potato chips. I didn't catch what you said. I'm sorry. Um, your, your food's extremely high in sodium or, you know, those, those chronically, um, high sugar beverages, you know, your, your sodas, your energy drinks, your, um, you know, your triple mocha frappuccino, whatever. I don't even know how to say it because like, I literally get to Starbucks and I'm like, "Mm, can I just get a coffee? Like, I don't know how to order. Um, (laughs) someone needs to teach me. Um, but you know, it's, it's that type of stuff. And, and I will, I will say, you know, part of my food philosophy is we've got fueling foods and we have fun foods, right? So, you know, the fueling foods are the ones that I mentioned as kind of that anti-inflammatory side, those fun foods, that's what we call, um, you know, those, those more pro-inflammatory foods. Is that to say that fun foods slash pro-inflammatory foods don't have a place? No, that's not what I'm saying. It's just finding what works for you and what you feel comfortable with and really getting in tune with your body, becoming body aware and recognizing, okay, you know what? Like that was maybe a bit much like that workout. I didn't get what I meant to get out of that workout. And I know that it was likely due to a string of not so awesome choices that I've made. Right. Right. And so So, maybe even being strategic about when you have your, your fun food, right. You know, as it relates to a competition or training, Yep. you know, and and using that in in that fashion, but uh, yeah, for sure. It it all fits fun and fuel. It all fits. It's just a matter of um, choosing the appropriate timing for it. Right. Right. Yep. And it sounds like a dietitian is a great person to help you figure that out. Yeah. Maybe a sports dietitian. (laughs) I'm a little biased, but you know, and, um, but, but yeah, I think, I think a qualified professional is, is the best person for the job, you know, because, and I think, um, 
you know, we, the thing about food is we all eat, right? We all have to eat in order to survive. So, so sometimes that, that makes us feel more empowered to make those recommendations or, you know, Jimmy's great aunt Sally, you know, had this great success doing X, right? So, well, you should do that because, you know, that, that worked for her. But again, I'm going back to the individualization thing. Like that doesn't necessarily mean that that's appropriate for you. And, you know, you, you can make it even more applicable to, you know, your patients or your, your high school athletes or whatever. Like there could be two athletes on the same team that are built very similarly, same age, same gender, whatever. And they could require two very different fueling approaches because they're different people. (laughs) They have different genetic makeup. Right. And different activity levels. I I think sometimes we hear even family physicians, you know, fall into that trap of, you know, oh, this is the diet that worked for me, or this is what I have all my patients do. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and there's probably a, population of people that works really well for right but yeah. it's it, it can't be a one-size-fits-all otherwise your job would be super easy and or it wouldn't exist right let's be honest exactly. <laughs> yes yes exactly it would not exist you're right <laughs> um but but yeah um yeah absolutely I can't remember what we were talking about before that but that's all right I want to rewind real quick on uh you talked about hydration um is there a time frame for, let's say I've got a 5k on a Saturday morning, you know, obviously we want to stay well hydrated all the time, but is there a time frame prior to that that's most important or how do you, how do you guide people there? Yeah, that's a good question. So, um, so you're right. We want to be hitting our hydration goals on a, you know, seemingly regular basis. So, um, typically my recommendation, and again, this is, you know, kind of playing with fire because (laughs) everyone is a little bit different but um if you want a general recommendation take your body weight in pounds divide that in half you need about that many ounces of fluid most likely from water milk or you know maybe a non-caffeinated tea every day okay so um now some people be like oh my gosh that's a lot of fluid that's way more than i'm currently consuming okay please don't you know tomorrow go start guzzling a bunch more fluid because (laughs) you will just excrete it it won't do much good but um make a goal you know make progress towards that recommendation um so you know on a daily basis half your body weight ounces. but if you are just really struggling um totally get that but my recommendation is that week so starting on monday leading up to your 5k on saturday um i would really focus on on hydration and you know as it as it gets warmer because it's going to it has to right mm-hmm. um as we're sitting here in like negative whatever degrees it is um as it gets warmer and it gets more humid and those environmental um changes happen you need to take even more concentrated f- focus on hydration incorporate some electrolytes with your water throughout the day, because if you're just taking straight water um, and you're not getting electrolytes, um, sodium uh, chloride, potassium, magnesium, I think I said them all. Um, If you're not getting those from your food, then um, you need to get those from your beverage. Otherwise, you know, you're not going to really um, hold on to that that fluid level. um, And you're still gonna go into that 5K effort dehydrated. 
So mm -hmm. fluid and electrolytes, you know, at least five days leading up to that, that event. Yeah, I think that's a, a great pearl of advice for people because, you know, I think a lot of times people think the night before, the morning of is the time to stay hydrated, right? But clearly it's a longer term and, and really mm -hmm. a lifestyle, it sounds like, versus a preparation yeah. for an event. But um, yeah, I call that oh crap training <laughs> or oh crap fueling. <laughs> um, we the, want to do our people, best to avoid that. Yep. And then those people come see me on Monday because they their hamstring cramped up or something happened, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you, know, you and I kind of, we do, you know, we enhance one another, but then we also kind of work one against one another. <laughs> We're all for the better good. For those of you listening that are not from the Midwest, um, Ellen referenced the, the cold weather. It, when we're recording this, it's February 12th, and we've got a high on Saturday of negative eight degrees here in Des Moines, Iowa. So Woo! yeah, we're not going to be running outside anytime real soon. But uh, um, Ellen, thanks for the conversation today. Um, I don't think we mentioned where, where do you work um, outside of the home? I know you're busy at the house, but where do you work? Yeah. Um, so my full-time position is with hy um, and I work with high school and college athletes um, through hy as a performance dietitian. And then um, I also have um, kind of a, a side business that I, I help adult athletes, adult um, active individuals, or anyone who's just looking for a dietitian who who likes food, right? <laughs> you know, so, um, <laughs> That's, those are kind of my, my two, um, my two things. Most of my time is spent, um, with hy that keeps me pretty darn busy. Um, but there are just some of those, um, some individuals that it, that doesn't fit perfectly. And then, you know, my, my favorite job is a mom of two little boys. Um, they're pretty cool. Uh, and they, yeah, they keep me pretty busy too. And I'm becoming a little short order cook, uh, for them. They're getting older and, oh my gosh, it's, <laughs> our lives are changing and I know that's going to get a lot worse as they go uh, as they get bigger but yeah it's wild isn't it it is <clears throat> well I know you do a lot of your uh, work via zoom right now and other uh, web platforms so if anybody out there listening is not local th to the Des Moines region um, I'm sure you can look up Ellen and uh, seek her services that way if you want or find a dietitian near you that you know and trust okay um I always like to wrap up the podcast with uh, our guests sharing a little motivation or inspirational quote going into the weekend here. So what do you have for us today? Oh man, I know. And you warned me that this was coming. I've got a couple actually, and which is, you know, very standard of any, any woman and especially a dietitian, like you can't just settle on one. Right. Um, okay. So, so my, my professional um, motivation, I guess, is always to aim for progress rather than perfection. Uh, I think we live in a world that, you know, expects a lot. And I think we all, not all, I shouldn't say all, but um, many of us struggle with kind of that analysis paralysis. And if, if it can't be perfect, then well, we're not going to do it at all. But I often, um, you know, talk with my athletes, you know, when, when did you start doing your craft? You know, when did you start running? Were you really great? Were you ever perfect at running when you started. No, that is not realistic. So when it comes to nutrition, you know, don't expect perfection overnight, you know, set a small goal, achieve that goal and move on, you know, keep building, um, building your foundation because that's how really long-term success, how that comes. So 
I'm always, I'm always preaching progress over perfection. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll add practice makes progress. That's, uh, that's one of my favorites. So yeah. Okay. Absolutely. And then my kind of my personal motivation or, you know, quote to live by is, um, in a world where you can be anything, just be kind. That's it's as simple as that. Just be nice to one another. I think we need more of that in life too. Well, thanks for being nice to me. If I asked you any stupid questions today, you, uh, you handled them well. So, um, thanks again for your time. You guys, if you need help, um, look us up and, or look up Ellen and, uh, Rock Valley has 50 clinics serving Iowa and Illinois with locations from Des Moines to Cedar Rapids to Northern Iowa through the Quad Cities, Southeast Iowa and into Peoria. Our therapists live out our tagline every day with the goal of making better lives.